Welcome to episode 31 of the Librarian's Guide to Teaching podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Jessica. On today's episode, we're sharing 21 instruction tips for starting out 2021. We've received some great tips from listeners, which we will share in addition to some that we're excited to talk to you about. But before we get started with our conversation, how are you doing? And is anything exciting happening this week? Still not too much exciting going on. Um, You know, it is December, so trying to just do some holiday things, but obviously things are different this year. So trying to do uh, COVID friendly holiday things. Um, We're around the Westchester area in New York in Hudson Valley. So we did this winter wonderland drive through where you, you paid to just drive through a park that they decorated and really decked out with tons of lights. They had Santa like talking to people and um, got people dressed up. So we were trying to do fun things like that, driving around, looking at lights, baking cookies. Um, This week we made latkes for Hanukkah. Uh, So just trying to do fun, simple things to, um, to make the year festive since there's not uh, too much we can do. And obviously work has slowed down a bit. So just working on, um, kind of end of the year projects because obviously instructions uh, done. This is the last week before break. So things are a little bit slow and trying to get into a uh, break mode, holiday mode. What about you? Uh, yeah, trying to do festive things where it's going to be a weekend full of cookie making. Um, we're going to my mother-in-law's on Saturday to do cookies. And then we're going to do cookies with my parents on Sunday. And I'm excited because my daughter's old enough now. So she'll have fun doing it. You know, the first time we did it, she's really, you know, she's a baby. She didn't get it. So it should be more fun for her now. Um, Yeah, I definitely want to take my daughter around those lights. Um, I've been reading like in like the Facebook groups I follow in my neighborhood, like where can you go for the best light shows and blah, 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 blah. So definitely want to take her um, to see those. Um, Although there's a lot of people in my neighborhood that are doing it that you can just kind of like drive through and not have to pay. Not that I care about paying, but you know. Um, And then same thing here. It's the last week before the semester is over. Um, Just trying to prep for the winter, looking at instruction for the winter, um, working on projects, you know, in preparation for the winter semester. So um, you know, excited that the semester is ending, but also looking forward to, um, you know, new opportunities um, in the spring, in the winter. Um, one thing that's interesting is that our college is um, requiring faculty have a one synchronous session a week for their oh. now. Uh, hmm. So I'm hoping that that might lead to more opportunities for the librarians to get involved in a synchronous session because faculty might be looking for that, um, you know, maybe not doing something every week. So we'll see. I know I'm definitely going to offer that in my outreach when I, you know, reach out to the faculty um, in a few weeks. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that sounds like a great opportunity. Yeah. So to get started with our episode, like we said, um, we reached out to our listeners for some instruction tips, um, and we've broken them up into different types of themes. Uh, We'll go through the themes. Um, and we'll comment on a few of them as we go along. So the first one is, uh, the first theme is planning. And this tip comes from Sarah Burns Bell. Her tip is use index cards to visually see how you might use various activities and lesson plan components together. 
So write down all of the activities you might use in a class. So videos, padlets, worksheets, things pair share, and then organize a few together in groups to represent a class to create a really active lesson. Yeah, she had um, shared with us a Chronicle article that we'll put in the show notes that that came from. And I thought that was a really interesting idea, especially for visual planners like me. <laughs> I like to see things laid out, you know. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting way to lay things out. Um, I, I know we might be toying around with the idea of doing um, an episode in the future about lesson plans. And I think this is definitely one way to set up a lesson plan to make it seem a little less overwhelming. You know what it reminds me of too is um, like Microsoft um, Microsoft Suite has that uh, planner. Yeah. Where you can put the little boxes. Uh, uh, Trello is the other planning thing, right? So yeah. I feel like that's a digital way to almost do this is to lay out your lesson plans in those blocks um, to see the different sections. Yeah. I never thought to do that, but, um, but that sounds kind of interesting. Well, Padlet also has one too. Um, they have a columns feature, and we actually um, use Padlet to organize our breakout sessions for our upcoming virtual conference. So, yeah, it's so easy. We just drag and drop it and split them across. It was it was a really great way to organize. So that also might be another option there too, if you're looking for visual but not have the actual index cards. Right. Two more tips that came from you, Jessica. Um, one is to create an instruction checklist for prepping your lesson plans. Um, you said that this was especially helpful for you when you were working to incorporate universal design principles and accessibility. Do you want to share a little bit more about your checklist? Yeah. So uh, I knew that I had all these different ideas of things I wanted to add to my lesson plans, like um, accessibility things like sharing the PowerPoint beforehand and making sure um, that I had notes in that PowerPoint and that my videos are transcribed and, and all that. So just instead of constantly trying to remember all those things, I just wrote it out in a checklist so that I would remember. Um, and I, I kind of at the top have a really short um, checklist of how I like to plan a lesson, but then there's also a checklist of things that I might want to consider incorporating. Like, is this asynchronous or synchronous? And then if it's if it's synchronous in person, I have specific um, items that I might want to consider for that about active learning or about universal design principles and discussion. So I just worked out this checklist um, to help remind myself to incorporate all of these different components that um, that we might want to incorporate. And honestly, at the end of the checklist, there are some reflection questions for me about the lesson. And one of them is, did you put too much stuff in here? <laughs> that can be a part of an issue too of you know you have all these grand ideas and then you throw them in and you realize oh my gosh this lesson plan has way too much going on so um even putting in reflection questions for myself is kind of a part of it at the end yeah that's that's a great idea i love a good checklist uh we actually developed checklists for our libguides so it's we use them to encourage our librarians to think about you know how to keep their libguides up to date so like we have a checklist for every semester check through your libguides for these things. Every year, check your libguides for these things. And, you know, I found them helpful um, when we were actively using them. So that's just another thing you might consider. So tip number three, also from you again, um, work with faculty member to determine the best format for your instruction. Even if they default to synchronous Zoom, let them know other ways you can collaborate whether it's multiple short sessions, asynchronous tutorials, check-ins, et cetera. Yeah, because 
sometimes they aren't aware of what type of support we can offer. And there may be something that works a little bit better for their students. Um, sometimes they come directly to us via email and say, can you come to my class? And just because that's their default doesn't necessarily mean that they know what the other options are. So I think it's always good to just send an email back with a short list of, you know, sure, I can come to your class, but um, do you think any of these other options would work for you? I just want to make you aware that they exist. And you never know, someone may come back and say, oh, you know what, a tutorial would be better for this class. You know, they work better with those. And maybe that works better for your schedule too. You never know. Yeah, we always try to provide a menu of options to faculty um, when it comes to support, because like you said, they might not realize what's available to them. And they also, like if they're teaching multiple classes, one option might be better over another class. So I think just sharing those options with them again and again is uh, useful for sure. And keeping that list handy, like I have a draft in my, um, in my email that's just kind of a a blurb that I would send to anybody. And it has just all those bulleted points written out. Um, I mean, it's in the beginning of our instruction request form, but I want to word it my own way. So, you know, I have it as a, just a blank option that's available. That's a great idea to have it as a draft. So it's ready to go and you don't have to search for the last time you wrote a faculty member, blah, blah, blah. That's a good idea. So tip number four, also from you, um, the beginning of the year can be a great time to go through the instructions you use frequently and update search examples. Maybe something more relevant has happened since you created the lesson and would be more engaging for the students. Yeah, I mean, 2020 has been chock full of <laughs> different information literacy examples that we can use. And uh, I think it was in a previous episode, we had talked to someone who said, I think it was the humor episode where they were talking about satirical videos and they had shown a video about, um, something political and the students in the last year were like, well, that's really old. <laughs> so, you know, with so many different things going on that relate to information or misinformation um, or things that are more relevant and engaging to students, you know, the beginning of the year is a great time to be like, okay, what happened? What class am I teaching? And what else, what else can I talk to them about? And what big picture information literacy topics can I bring in by talking about these issues like you know COVID is chock full of things about scholarship and information as a process and all of that. Yeah exactly we talked that a little bit about that in the project information literacy episodes interview that we did with Allison Head we talked about how versatile COVID is. Um, so here's one tip for me tip number five focus on improving one lesson for the spring starting in January. Um, I am very, you know, I do this all the time. I say, okay, I'm going to spruce up my lesson. And then the next thing I know, I am scrambling to get it done because, you know, I think I have like three months to do it. And then here it is, it's time to do it. So, you know, you might have this really grand idea to really improve a lesson and you might not have enough time in the winter. So really future plan for a lesson, one lesson, just pick one and you know, really map it out and really revise it. Um, I've done this before and I found it very rewarding because you, know, you don't feel pressured. You really, you're giving yourself, I mean, in my case, 15 weeks to work on a lesson that you know, you know pick a class that you know is gonna run in, in your next semester and just focus on it and take your time. Right, yeah, I definitely think this is a good time for those types of projects without having too much pressure on yourself to do it. And you can explore, you can look at other lessons, you can look up articles and um, look through all of the notes that I'm sure everyone has from webinars and conferences and things that they want to do 
great. So, you know, now's the time to dive into those kinds of things to update our lessons. Agreed. So the next section of tips is on technology. So we have one from uh, Kelly Hope from at the Bookinator on Twitter. So she says, to encourage reflection, I start every instru instruction session with a Padlet and ask students to answer some version of the following question. What questions or concerns do you have about research in general or as it pertains to this class? And after class, I ask them to follow up on the same Padlet with their biggest takeaway or reflective comment. I then use the Padlet as a way to follow up with the professor and email them a copy of the Padlet. There are times when students will put a question on the Padlet that either I'm unable to answer in the moment, so I can do that in the follow-up, or it's a question that the professor needs to address. I just love that idea of using um, Padlet in that way. I mean, there's so many ways you can use a Padlet, but um, that's a great one with a great just open-ended question. Yeah, definitely. So our next one is um, from someone anonymous. And they said, don't assume all students will have the same technology or internet bandwidth to participate in online activities, uh, which definitely, we've been talking about that um, a lot this year, definitely a camera issue as well. You know, some students, they may have an inter unstable internet and turning off their video is the best way for them to participate and be able to hear. That's one of the simplest um, technology issues that can come up with that. So that's a great one too. Uh, the next two are from you. So you say to uh, make sure you leave time in your synchronous lesson for technology issues. We did a whole uh, mini episode on technology issues, and I'm sure a lot of people have stories from this year with that one. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I think it's just it's wise to just build in some time and, you know, not to overpack your lesson, especially if you're trying a new technology. Yeah, that actually happened to me. I mean, I wasn't trying a new technology, but I was doing a synchronous lesson with a class. It was my last class, second to last class before uh, instruction slowed down for this semester. And the professor just had to keep stopping me every two minutes because he was saying, oh, you're breaking up, you're breaking up. And I had no internet issues the whole day up until that lesson. So for some reason, he could kind of hear what I was saying. So then he would translate to the students what I was saying. And it just made the lesson take so much longer. And I was so happy that I had taken out something interactive to do with them because it would have just been a hot mess. It was the day after election day. And so I felt personally that I knew students were going to be super stressed and he really wanted to do it that, that day instead of rescheduling. So I kept it simple and it worked better because unfortunately we had these tech issues. So it is good to just prep for all of those silly little things that can happen. Yeah. So the next one is also from you. Uh, if you're expecting students to use a new tech tool and are not planning on teaching them how to use the tool during the session, ask the professor if you can upload a tutorial a week prior so students can test out tech and be prepared during the session. Uh, you can even create a quick activity for confirmation. I've experienced this before when I've tried to, you know, introduce students to, um, I think it was a Padlet and it was just a quick activity where I, you know, shared like a one minute tutorial on, you know, what is Padlet, why we use it, etc. And, you know, I had the professor, I had the professor agree to allow me to put it in the course so that they can get familiar with it. And then the following week during the session, it was so smooth mm -hmm. and students weren't nervous about using the technology live, you know, and it just worked out so much better because I think, you know, and this is something we've talked about too, you know, when you throw technology at them, they're already nervous that they have someone coming into their class that they might have never met before. And then on top of that, you're asking them to demonstrate their tech skills to you. Um, they might be really nervous about it. So 
I think this is one way to kind of alleviate that stress. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next section that we have group of tips is um, grouped under the theme of classroom management. So this next tip, tip 10, comes from Gina Levitin. Her Twitter handle is at Blina B. Levitin. The tip is be open to interruptions and offer multiple ways for students to participate if they'd like to, um, for example, ask, ask out a question using the chat, directing their question to their to their faculty privately or to you privately. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, as we said with the technology thing too, we don't know how students might be the most comfortable right now engaging. So letting them know that you're open to different modes of engagement since you are, you know, the one leading the class for that session. Um, I think that's helpful to just make them feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, I think you definitely want to encourage interruptions because that means they're engaged. It right. They want to ask you something for clarification or they want to share something that they know. Um, so I, I definitely think that's a great one. Um, tip 11, also from Gina, playing music in the background before class or during any independent work time to set up the vibe for the day. I've always struggled with this one and I've talked to Gina about it because we work together <laughs> is picking the right music. Like I always feel like if I pick something too new and cool, I'm going to seem like unhip, <laughs> but at the same time, like, I don't think my type of music that I like would be what they want, but then do I do classical music? And, um, so Gina has said that she has done like, um, like kind of cafe, like jazzy type stuff, which I can see that kind of working, right? Like it's not going to offend anybody or like seem uncool. It just is the like, right vibe. Like a, like a Starbucks soundtrack. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would probably be super corny and try to match the music to the theme of the session or the mm -hmm. class topic somehow. Like, be super corny in that way. I don't know. I mean, so, about, like a history class, you would have something from like Gladiator. <laughs> probably, yeah, yeah. Or like, if it was like a law and society or like police, like whatever kind of like class, I would probably do like theme songs from like police movies or something. Like, oh my I don't God. Know, like, like. I would be super corny. Like, I'm just, I know we talked about this in the humor episode. Like, I'm just, like, I'd be super corny about it. Right. But I guess at the same time, like, it does tell them something about you. That but, you're corny and you're open to being corny and you know yourself and you're confident. And so, you know, it kind of shows a little bit about you. Yeah. but And I also love this idea. And I don't remember exactly where I saw it from. But I saw, like, that this idea of independent work on a Zoom is is becoming a thing like it's almost like an accountability thing where like we're all committing to working on something and we don't necessarily need to talk to each other we're just in the same virtual space at the same time focused you know mm. and having all these other people in a zoom with us focused makes us even more focused right right I it myself so I can't mm. say if it would be useful to me because I'm a talker so Probably like interrupt people to like ask questions and say stuff <laughs> Probably, but I love this idea that people are trying to find new and exciting ways to use zoom yeah so this um next one tip 12 comes from Sarah Burns fell again um she says she hasn't tried anything specific but she read an article this is the same chronicle article right yes uh, that we'll link to um so her tip is create a plan and share it um, segment off a small slice of the whiteboard and write the plan there. 
put it in the chat at the start of the Zoom session or put it on a slide to start class. It doesn't have to be incredibly detailed and of course it can be flexible, but it should be there spelled out for all the students. Once you've sketched out the structure, provide signposts throughout the session to indicate where the class is at and help recapture students' attention when it has drifted. I like this one because I usually do like an agenda for the class, yeah. but I realize that it's not as structured as this is suggesting. Like I don't put, I don't put the actual signposts into the PowerPoint or to the lesson that really calls back yeah. clearly enough to that agenda. So I think that actually would be helpful because um, it does also chunk things up a little bit because then they can say, oh, we're on part three out of four. Yeah. And, and that's a little helpful for everybody's um, attention. Yeah, this just reminds me of a thing I used to do in, when we were on site. I would do this note-taking strategy where I would hand the students out a, a handout and I would break up the lesson and say, you know, like you said, part one, part two, part three, but like label it like certain things. And they would follow along and write notes. Like I would encourage them to write their own notes in each section so that they kind of could recall it in their own words rather than in me just giving them a handout with generic, you know, um, directions. Right. I wonder how that would work on Zoom for certain classes, um, especially combined with this signpost-ish um, tip, you know, if you yeah. email the class the handout beforehand so that they could either print it out or have it on their computer to type into, um, I wonder, or make it like a copyable Google document so that everybody can make a copy of it and just work on it on their own computer. Yeah. Um, that could work. Absolutely. Um, so another tip from Sarah is find ways to bring everybody back together. This could be asking students to all respond with the Zoom reaction that, that they were with you or stop to have everyone do a writing prompt and share. Uh, she says it's harder on Zoom than in a physical class, but it can be helpful. Yeah, I like this one. I mean, especially like at the end of one of those signpost sections, right? Like, okay, everyone stop and take, you know, two minutes and answer this question. And then everybody before starting the next section can kind of share what they were thinking. Or I do the Zoom reaction thing all the time. You know, after I get to finishing an important point, I'll just say, you know, can you put up thumbs up that everybody is with me? <laughs> and you don't get 100% all the time. But, you know, you do get to see who's with you and paying attention. Right, right, right. Uh, this next tip, tip 14, is from you. Um, do not allow perfectionism to stand in the way of good instruction because students will lose in the pursuit of perfection. Uh, this was a takeaway from this year's instruction for you, um, and you've seen how sometimes an imperfect session with a good set of questions and a discussion can be just as valuable as a tailored presentation and activity. Yeah, I mean, this, and I've talked about it before on previous episodes that, you know, this year was the year that I was planning to do more like um, just less structured discussion based activities. Um, and it was a little intimidating practicing trying that on Zoom with this whole new setup that we have going on with the remote instruction. But at the same time, it was a good time to do it because students are more open to this kind of flowy um, just, you know, bring a good set of questions and a Padlet and let's talk uh, kind of thing. So it worked out well this year to have that as, um, as good practice. And just, as I said, you know, not letting perfectionism get in the way, just pick some really good outcomes, Right. those outcomes, tailor it down to what they exactly need to know. Don't try to teach them a whole three credit course in a 35 minute session because you're not going to do it. Yeah. So 
yeah, yeah. I think I think we all have to kind of kind of break away from this idea that we have to we have to be perfect um, every time we provide instruction to students. I mean, I you know in the beginning I always had to go into the class with that perfect example, that perfect search example, and now it's just like I don't even do that anymore because I want the, them to see what it's really like. I mean. You know, like we've talked about in other episodes, when you're in a research consult or when you're supporting chat, you don't have time to be perfect. You you figure it out with the student as you're going along. And sometimes it's frustrating and hard, but at least you're showing what what instruction looks like and what research really looks like, you know? Yeah. And not to mention that this year we know that not every student is going to be engaged in every Zoom session. So, I mean, they've got Zoom fatigue at this point. So just being there and being available and letting them know that you will be there for them afterwards is can sometimes be the most valuable thing they need. And that wraps up part one of our 21 instructional tips for 2021. Stay tuned for our next episode for the remainder of the tips. We hope you enjoyed. Here's where you can find us. You can find the podcast at librarian underscore guide. You can find Jessica at librarygeek611. You can find me, Amanda, at historybuff820. And you can always email us at infolitteachingpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. We would love to hear from you in the reviews as well.